Hey guys, and welcome to season four, episode four of the MSC Performance Podcast. Uh, today we have a special Q&A episode with myself, Coach Luke, and I'm joined by Coach Sonia Kuklova, who is now 25. So happy birthday to Sonia. Uh, Sonia, how are you? Hi Luke and hi everyone. Thanks for a nice warm welcome. I'm great. I'm feeling literally exactly the same like yesterday which is fantastic. tired old <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready for a rest i'm feeling uh, really good but how was your birthday people are asking they want to know what does sonia do to celebrate a birthday you went for a run you went for a four-hour training session and then you went for a nice steak okay so yes i have trained and uh i had red meat as Margot would say as charles would do yeah so yes, thanks for asking. It was very lovely. And uh, thanks to everyone from MSC, uh, who was really nice, including yeah. yourself. You made my day very special. Yeah. Um, so as deserved. As deserved. Oh, thank Fantastic. you, Luke. So yeah, today we have four questions from our Q&A that we released yesterday on Instagram. Uh, so the four questions are going to be, uh, what, should, what should you be eating or recommendations for a pre-workout meal? Uh, the second question is, what supplements do we both take? And what do we recommend people take? Uh, the third one is what has been the most rewarding part of our training and coaching. And then the last question is, I've just started doing cardio and strength on the same day. Is this okay? And how should I go about setting it up? Great so, questions. Uh, yeah, really good variety of questions. Uh, we're going to get stuck into the pre-workout meal mm -hmm. because I think it is quite interesting. And uh, we've, all, we've got uh, some good research on it. So it's uh, exciting to, uh, to get stuck in. As always, we're going to talk anecdotally first. So Sonia, what do you currently have? for your pre-workout meal and I guess if you wanted to yeah talk about your preferences mm -hmm. um if you have any differences depending on what kind of session you're mm -hmm. doing just tell us what you do um so obviously I train quite often twice a day uh which one of the sessions is conditioning and then strength so that kind of co correlates to the last question which is good um I personally don't eat anything before I train first thing in the morning uh before conditioning if it's in in the day I have a big gap which is at least two hours maybe three I just After a meal yeah I, I I genuinely couldn't do it I would I would I would be sick I've never been sick but I feel heavy I feel I don't, I don't feel good slow yes yeah almost. um yeah th this really always surprised me to be fair when people people tell me that they actually ate I don't know full meal before they they came in um but I guess that's as you said like preference um I definitely fuel myself through the day for my session which is later in the day which is the strength set session um I think I would be okay to do it like fasted um or if I wouldn't eat a couple of hours before um but I would feel definitely weak myself if I would fast in, if I would be fasting all day so if you train first thing in the morning you train <laughs> quite famously at 5 a.m do you eat before five or do you just come in, in it's actually at 4 30. <laughs> wow i apologize um do you have anything at four or you Nothing, wake up and just literally. so you are you are fasted when you yes. do the morning mm -hmm. session mm -hmm. but the second session which is a bit more strength orientated yes. you've normally had a meal three hours before but nothing actually like an hour or two beforehand no mm -hmm. okay that's Perfect. interesting Perfect. that's interesting yeah. um and ultimately what we're saying is it, it is going to be a preference on this one because yeah uh one of the most famous pilots talks a lot about he trains early fasted hasn't had a meal 
And you'd think that anecdotally that is probably not the most optimal thing, but for yourself, you just don't feel good after you've had a meal. Um, For this guy, he was saying that he also feels the same. He just feels alert, feels energetic in the morning, doesn't feel the need to have eaten before. But the thing is that maybe a crucial thing is what and um, what you eaten the day before or like basically what time was your last meal? Absolutely. It's Um, not about what you've eaten in the last two hours. It's about what you've probably eaten in the last 24 hours in terms of like, a recovering from your previous session for someone like yourself when you've got that two sessions a day but also what have you eaten you know at the night before exactly um it's not about just the acute what i've eaten in the last uh couple of hours it's about what you've eaten over the last 12 hours 24 hours yes um to be fair i've noticed on myself that actually having like a good solid dinner really fuels me for the day next day um so again it was like a trial and error i had a period when i was kind of like skipping dinners on trying not to eat before bed um because i obviously go to bed quite early but then if i try to train in the morning i was really low energy low energy um so when i actually have a good dinner i have much more energy for the session and it's it's just way better but for me it's the time before bed so i kind of control that i don't really eat before i go to bed because i just i just think that the body is just too full and can't rest because obviously your body needs to process the food you you just obviously take an energy because like food's energy mm. so i feel like i'm not really i don't really need it for the sleep me and you are literally the complete opposite I person. Don't... yeah 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 so i i always have something pre-session i always eat two hours before training then i have a little snack uh right before train and okay. then also in terms of sleeping i can't sleep if i'm slightly hungry okay. so i always eat at like an hour beforehand wow. um if i don't eat beforehand i'll start to feel hungry and i wake myself i wake up in the middle mm. of the night so th- these are the individual differences and there's no right or wrong it's just what yep. we what we prefer i personally so i always i normally train around 7 30 on a on a weekday and i normally have a, a dinner about five so two two and a half hours before mm-hmm. and then i have like a little snack which is very carbohydrate based um half an hour beforehand you'll always see me finishing the barbar club with a, a handful of jelly beans which is normally <laughs> my my go-to so i prefer like a little carbohydrate snack you prefer a uh, nothing so it's quite interesting now looking at the research on what is good for pre-workout there's something that was released last month and it was looking at um you know what pre-workout meals are the best and it's based on this is where the important uh, point happen is it's it's based on a moderate strength training session so i think it was like eight working sets of six to 12 repetitions if i remember correctly so it's a very it represents a, a good session that a lot of people would do not not a ridiculously high volume session um i'm sure we would both do a little bit more but it represents moderate. A, a moderate session for people to be doing and they um they used a carbohydrate based meal that was purely liquid and they used a carbohydrate meal that was a bit more uh, what was the word sloshy satay something like well it was it was it was designed to be oh. a highest uh, highest highest satiety meal mm. uh, which means that they felt a little bit fuller after eating it but in terms of macronutrients it was exactly the same like same amount of carbs same amount of protein uh, but the performance and the amount of volume that they p- performed was higher in the group that had higher satiety levels so before we've looked at like water versus carbohydrates, water versus carbs versus fats, and this was the first one comparing carbohydrates versus carbohydrates, but one was designed to be a little bit more of a filling meal. 
Um, it still doesn't sound nice, but it was, it was slush. Yeah. Uh, but it's designed to be high satiety. So the idea is that they went before they started training, they, they filled in like a QA and a and it's like how they feel, how hungry did they feel. And the ones that reported high satiety performed more volume. And I think that's really interesting because the sessions that most people are performing in the gym aren't going to have that high of a glycolic demand. And if you look at the research again on like how many how much muscle gly glycogen depletion happens in a training session i think overall for the muscle fibers it's like 30 percent, mm. and then for type 2 fibers it's like 48 percent. so you're never really going to fully deplete your glycogen stores with a very moderate gym session this changes when you're doing i know you don't have a meal but if you were doing like a tough hour two hour cardio session mm -hmm. or high volume session then maybe towards the end your depletion would be a little bit mm -hmm. higher and it would maybe start to be closer to where you've got to start to worry about it and that's maybe where you'd consider having like a, an energy gel while you're training or like some kind of higher sugar drink perhaps yeah what i like about the study you mentioned is that it was almost based on like that hunger feeling as well um so for myself i can say that if i'm doing a strength session and i do feel hunger i think it already sets me mentally weaker being weaker so as you said like i would probably have something because i just i just would feel weak so i think that's a big factor on it and because obviously they they had the same amount of um calories as you said like yeah. same macros yeah. but it, the hunger is the, the hunger is the difference exactly which is probably why when you're coming in at 4 30 and you're training then you're not feeling hungry because mm. you've had a decent meal the night before mm -hmm. you're able to do a good amount of mm -hmm. work while if you started to have a, a smaller meal at night and you backlogged all your your food so you're at a lot of calories in the morning, a lot of calories at lunch, a very small meal at dinner. Perhaps if you went in at 4.30 and you start to get a little bit hungry prior to breakfast, maybe that would start to have a detrimental effect exactly. on your training. And afterwards, like a couple of hours later, I have big time hunger. Yeah. <laughs> I eat, so when I think about my training, so I, I know that as a powerlifter, my glycogen isn't going to get depleted. Yeah. However, I can make it fit with my calories to have a small amount of carbohydrates Max always jokes because I weigh the jelly beans. Uh, so I know that it's exactly around 200 calories, pretty much exclusively from carbohydrates. Mm. And I, I know that that's not like helping me, you know, keep fueled. It's not fueling the training sessions. Uh -huh. But A, it's just fail safe. So like if there was any, like I said, the type two fibers, which are the ones you're going to be pretty much exclusively relying on for high power based movements and high strength based movements they're getting depleted around like that 50 percent mark it's just a fail safe to make sure that's not getting tipped any further so i have it as a fail safe but if it didn't fit my calories or if it was in a, a big cut and i did and i had to drop some body weight i could easily drop that and probably still get the, the same session mm -hmm. i also have it to avoid feeling hungry during the training mm -hmm, session because mm -hmm. i think about like some of my training sessions on a friday when i start training around half four and normally eat at like six so towards the tail end of the training session, I'm getting really hungry. hungry yeah. And they're the sessions that are normally the weakest. And as soon as you start to feel hungry, I feel terrible. So I have it just to try and increase the chances of me not feeling hungry during a session uh, and as a fail safe. I like it. And literally, this basically sums up that one thing is having those sources kind of like secured and feeling not too full. Yeah. Because um, it's it's same like if I have a if I have dinner. And it's, let's say, a low carb. Um, I can tell next day that it was low yeah. carb. So I, li I like this point that you said that because basically you keeping yourself relatively not too full 
but not oh yeah, hungry. like two hundred calories of sweets yeah. is not going to make me feel stodgy. Exactly. Not the same as having a, a roast yeah. dinner. And this is where people should start thinking, or this is where you kind of thinking, what is it going to be? Yeah. So it can have the same macros, it can you know be the same calories, but it, it's different. So some people would prefer a shake, um, yeah. maybe like you know a smoothie type, but some people actually would like something. to feel something. Yeah. So I think especially for guys that are training straight from work, if you normally eat at like six, but you're training mm-hmm. at five there's that danger where you're starting to feel a little bit hungry and maybe sessions going to suffer. So potentially then having some kind of like mid afternoon or a couple hours before, like some kind of little snack that's going to help you avoid feeling hungry yeah. as you're doing the training session is probably going to be a beneficial thing. So it's actually really important, like considering what is the pre-workout meal, because yeah. obviously, I, I don't know, like if you would have fish and chips, um, I'm not sure if you... <laughs> well, you definitely wouldn't feel uh, hungry. Yeah. <laughs> You might feel what you say stodgy, so uh, yeah. probably not the most ideal. But it does seem though, like it, it, this study is hinting that it doesn't particularly matter if it's carbohydrates or fats. Mm. I used to joke about Andy, uh, who's one of the part owners of MSC. Um, I used to joke, he bought in a bar of David Milk once and asked me if I wanted some simple sugars. And um, at the time I laughed because it's not the best simple sugars uh, source. But actually, if it helped him stay not hungry, maybe in hindsight, it has actually a good thing. So you see people, you see people eating like high carb meals prior to training, you see people eating some fats, some carbs, some protein. And I think as long as you're, you know, as long as you're not feeling hungry, whichever meal you choose is going to be beneficial. And yeah. I think this advice changes if you're doing a, a very high volume training session. So if you're doing like a, a bodybuilding style training session of like high reps, high amount of sets, or you're doing something like you do where you're doing like a, a long strength training session or weightlifting session mm-hmm. and then do some conditioning mm-hmm. and it's starting to get closer towards that two hour mark. That's where you might consider having some carbohydrates pre-workout. But it is an individual thing and it's something that you don't want to all of a sudden go from eating no pre-workout meal to having a massive amount of carbs because people start to, to feel like they're mm-hmm. stodgy or they feel like they have a little bit of a crash. Um, but just slowly starting to integrate some kind of pre-workout meals here. It affects your training. Maybe have a little snack or a shake on the side that you can just take during the training session. So like more intro workout, mm-hmm. maybe then pre would help. And then obviously, like as we're saying, like, you know, potentially having carbohydrates, like quick sugar, um i just would like to mention that i think it really depends as well how efficient are you in kind of like utilizing it um like can you you know when let's say powerlifters are often with these jelly beans and gummy bears um do you think they actually like can get that source that quickly i don't know the answers I'm, I'm not you know i'd have to, I'd have to have a look. But don't i do you think, think it's that a... it's it's just a bit of a meme the power like like i said because the, the glycogen depletion that happens during the training session yeah. is probably at max 50 percent. there would be no danger of doing that um mm-hmm. i think it's just a little bit of a, a meme and a lot of powders just don't need to be eating as many gummies yeah. as they do but if they have a handful and they mm-hmm. enjoy doing it and it, it you know it's if it's their overall nutritional goals you know it works as a fail safe so as anything, you can take it too far. I think having a handful of sweets before you train or during your training is absolutely fine. If you start eating, you know, fucking a thousand calories of gummies, yeah, it's not going to fit, and it's not going to be. It goes past the point of being yeah. beneficial, and it goes too far the other way. So I don't think it's necessary, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have a little bit. Mm. But as always, you can take things a little bit too far. Yeah, I think like you know, you 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 got to think whether you using that pre-workout meal as a that performance enhancement or basically making you fueled for the session and then recover well as well um so yeah not necessarily i would say that there is a meal which is going to make you perform better 
I mean, like if you have, you know, caffeine or energy drink, like you probably will get the energy out of that. Um, and obviously it, it does what it, it's supposed to be if you're using it well. But I think that it's all based around the bigger picture of your training. So like you can't expect that you're going to have a pre-workout and suddenly your workout is going to just be better. Yeah, it's, you know not what I'm to say. it's not a difference maker. Um, yeah, so same like with foods. So if, if someone is asking for like a, a great pre-workout meal, which is going to make you live better, I don't think... There's ways I, that you can optimize it, but it's, a, it's like a, a 3% thing rather than a 50% mm, thing. Which um, is small, but some people could care. But yeah, people are trying to optimize, if people are trying to optimize yeah. the training, then these are the, the smaller things that you start to look at. Yeah. But from the research and from our kind of belief, it's that it can be kind of anything that as long as it's a little bit more filling and it's not making mm. you feel hungry mm-hmm. during the training session mm-hmm. and you can kind of lean towards what you prefer. So if you prefer having carbs, great. If you like having some fats in there, great. Um, just, yeah, a little bit of trial and error, but it seems that it's about just feeling full rather than having carbs for the sake mm-hmm. of carbs. So yeah, if you're feeling like you're getting hungry during the session, maybe try having some kind of pre-workout meal and that could have a positive effect. Um, if you're doing a higher volume session, then perhaps look to having some carbohydrates and integrating that slowly. Um, but like Sonia said, there's other things that you need to, to try and hit before you start looking at these smaller things. Like make sure your overall you know, nutrition, like your protein in particular, is is tailored towards your goal. Make sure your sleep and your recovery is good. And then you can start to look at like meal timing and stuff like that. Which exactly, then start to, to which is a time. bigger picture, yeah. Um, so yeah i think that wraps up that nicely right? let's move on to Supplement. supplements so what supplements do we take and what do we recommend again we do very different sports uh you do lots of high volume training so your supplements might look different or your recommendations might look different to mine um yeah do you I, want to kick us off? i think i'll start because uh I'm, I'm i'm gonna be honest i don't really supplement that much um i think my like very first one which i consider being my top supplement is supplementing my diet with protein powder so i personally use whey protein powder and the reason is because i just don't have chance to eat that many meals that i would hit my protein target target. um which i think is quite it could be quite tough so I, i i really like having a protein shake it's just a quick solution um kind of fills you up through the day as well um i personally also take fish oil <laughs> uh because i don't feel like i eat enough fish in my diet um yeah i'm just like a simple chicken and meat girl <laughs> so it like fatty acids you don't yes so I, I, uh yeah i mean like i've you know back in uni and here and there like i've read things on it and obviously you need to have the balance of those amino acids with the other amino acids and you know, I, I'm not, I don't know. I haven't had done any tests on myself. Um, haven't had it tested. So I'm not sure what my levels are, but I, I think that for general health, you should be eating some sort of fish. Um, obviously like, you know, avocados and olive oils and other types of oils, but I think like my diet is pretty balanced, but I still feel like this is something I just want to get in. And I feel, I, I genuinely feel a bit better. Also, I, I think that it's really good for like bone density health um so joints I, I think that that that's like the main one for myself yeah um I, I i like to think of fish oil similar to when we talk about like the when i have the jelly beans and it's uh-huh. like it's a no risk potential reward thing like exactly. the fish benefit that the fish yeah. oils might have no benefit or it might have a very small benefit but there's no negative side to you taking it apart from you paying for it which yeah is very inexpensive. unless you would let's say be consuming 
already of those fats in your diet and then you're taking maybe too much but but even then like what's the there's no real risk with that no really probably yeah well, no, i don't know really, i don't yeah. have too many people that suffer from eating too many essential fatty acids yeah i mean you know but some people might be on these high fat diets um and they would be eating loads of nuts um loads of fish or yeah i don't, I don't know i mean you're probably right but Okay, everything so, obviously everything too much is not good is so it? for 90 percent of people there's no <laughs> risk for the people that eat yeah. a lot of nuts and fish which i've never met but sonia knows lots so uh, <laughs> but yeah no that's interesting so yeah myself i also take protein you have your overall protein target which personally is between 1.8 to 2.2 grams per kilo so it's about 170 grams of protein a day trying to break it into like four or five different portions um so if you have five it's about 35 uh, grams a meal and it's super easy then just have one one or two of them servings from whey protein so i'll often have whey protein at breakfast if i'm having oats so i'll have it as a post-workout shake and that's easy then two of the portions for the day mm-hmm. then you've only got to get three portions from actual food and it becomes super easy so yeah that's what i try and do um with there i also use a carbohydrate powder for the same reason it's just a super easy convenient shake post-workout um i also take creatine um and i also i don't know if i class it as a supplement but caffeine um these are the most mm. researched these are the ones that actually have evidence to to a performance benefit creatine is super super cheap um has a very positive effect on like power output force output and i think that again no risk to, to creatine there also seems like some good research coming out on like neurological function of taking creatine so it could be really good for for cognitive health as well as like sporting performance and it's like four pounds for like 500 grams and you only need to take you know i also always thought that i would gain from that creatine gain what weight but it's just a cute water weight isn't it so then you uh, know i um, take creatine but if i'm a little bit over weight category i'll try not to come off it but if i have to come off it a couple of weeks beforehand um i will do so because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. i'm not sure how much creatine would help like one rep max stuff compared to helping like maintain the creatine phosphate stores for like 10 second bursts of effort. i like the neurological side i think yeah. that's gonna be probably a good research there is like, loads yeah. of research on it now in terms of like long-term health and give it yeah you know, keeping creatine in. Mm. and it's super in effect it, it's super cheap as well so like there's no reason why you can't take it my brother used to take it and got like a, an upset stomach um so you know there can be there's loads of different types of creatine but creatine monohydrate is the most researched and sure. it's the cheapest and i think all the other ones are just like again like an extra one percent i think um, it's probably similar like to protein like different types and people people um, like people are suitable to different stuff isn't it yeah but if um, you take creatine monohydrate which is the cheapest mm-hmm. most research like you're not going to go wrong with that but then if you want to go for like there are different types which apparently absorb faster but then if you look at like the mechanisms of how creatine works it's not like you don't take your creatine pre-workout to have an effect there and then it's more about saturating the stores that's why people do the loading phase i personally don't do a loading phase i don't I don't recommend a loading phase for people unless it was like, I need to have my creatine stores ready for seven days time. I'd rather just take three grams a day for a few weeks. And after I think three or four weeks, it's normally the stores are saturated and you're ready to get the benefit. But if you were like, well, I've got a big training session in a week and I've completely forgot to take my creatine and I need to make sure my stores are ready, then maybe do the loading phase, mm-hmm. but I don't think you need to. And a lot of people get like upset stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, it also then obviously you run out of it faster. So I, I don't think you need to do a loading phase. As long as you plan your training accordingly, you'll get the benefit from it in like mm-hmm. three to four weeks of saturating the stores mm-hmm. and it's super cheap and it has a, a real 
positive impact on force and power production. Personally, I don't feel much different, but again, it's there's no risk to it. I think a very, very small reward, mm-hmm. um, and I do feel better for taking it. And then we know caffeine as well as a massive one. I was going to as we drink our coffees yeah. now. <laughs> um, um, yeah. What about you and uh, pre-workouts? Uh, why do you prefer caffeine, like a coffee? Is it personal preference? I think a lot of it is like the times that I train at half seven at night. I think so, like the benefit of get, having a pre-workout compared to having good sleep quality, uh-huh. having a pre-workout that late is maybe not that beneficial. Um, I sometimes have like a, a pre-workout or a, or a coffee or like a, an energy drink if I've got a big session. Mm-hmm. Like tonight I've got a fairly big session. I'll probably have a, a, a monster and sacrifice that little bit of extra quality of sleep maybe <laughs> to have a good session in. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like caffeine pre-workout, we know is like increases alertness, increases you know perceived energy levels. So I think like in terms of staying focused, taking caffeine pre-workout again, super, super cheap. Lots of research behind it. Loads, it is. Um, Creatine and caffeine are are the big two. Um, Yeah, then again, if if we're just about talking about like personal preference, as you said, like trying to get the coffee uh, late in the day, throughout the day. um, And then, yeah, I don't really feel like I need to have it before the session because I kind of spread it through the day. Uh, I also I'm being more cautious when is my last like high caffeine um, or if I have an energy drink. Um, so yeah, that's a smart choice as well. Yeah. I'm thinking about the sleep because, but if yeah, as you said, like if you want to have a really good session, you might take that hit on the yeah. one night. But yeah, because then my next training session is Friday. I'll have a good sleep on yeah. Thursday night, regardless. I'd obviously rather have a good sleep, but maybe I feel a bit more focused on <laughs> yeah. if I have one. Yeah. The last one I recommend is uh, is beta alanine for people that are doing like high volume sessions uh, or like doing like endurance based work. Um, is it acts as a, a little bit of a buffer and can stop like the fatigue creeping in and can stop kind of that um, you know that initial fatigue that you get from doing high rep sets where you get a buildup of lactic acid can act as a bit of a buffer for there and help you get more more reps and more volume in and that's again research and shows good good benefit but it's 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 after like twenty seconds of work which a lot of like powerlifters like myself don't particularly work for 20 seconds do you think i should consider getting it yeah if you're doing like high volume sets i'm not sure about doing like in like aerobic base work but whenever uh-huh. there's a buildup of lactic acid um it can help buffer there and get a little bit more work and and we drop uh, re- sorry increase the amount of time it takes for you to get to that initial fatigue so if you're doing sets of like eight to twelve reps and you're working hard mm-hmm. and you're getting that lactic acid buildup which is what stops you being able to continue to produce the amount of force then yeah absolutely i would take some vitamin e and it's in, it's in a lot of pre-workouts as well so yeah you know i think like it's really interesting um i just always felt that like you should get the fundamental base from your diet and then if you're lacking something yeah search um but the, the supplements uh, we've recommended a lot like you should be taking this like Chinese herb supplement the very very <laughs> fundamentals you can get creatine it's in a lot of red meat it's naturally in the yeah. body anyway it's just about topping it up caffeine mm. is a very cheap supplement that could just increase alertness um and beta-alanine is just the one extra supplement I'd recommend for like if you wanted to act as a, a bit of a buffer just to get a bit more volume out of your your harder volume sessions but outside of that like you said you want to again make sure everything else is on point the supplements is the last you know the last five ten percent of what you should be looking at is your overarching nutritional concept yeah. if your diet shit and you're taking a pre-workout beforehand it's not i mean it. often we get some people like who don't really train or kind of want to get into training coming up with the question of supplements which is literally 
the last thing you should worry about just yet. Like you need to get you sorted and routine. Yeah. Um, training and the routine sorted before you even think about this. Um, because as you said, like it probably adds up five to ten percent, which or maybe even more. Um which like probably less. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting if you uh if you have everything kind of nice you're trying to optimize your training uh-huh. at the last couple of percent out of i it. think it's cool yeah it's actually really interesting yeah so caffeine creatine whey protein if you look at it going in and potentially beta alanine if you're doing higher volume work or you know anything where there's a lactic acid buildup just helps as a buffer to get some more volume and fish oil and fish oils i beg your pardon <laughs> and uh fish apart from if you're eating exclusively fish and nuts uh which all of sonia's friends do apparently so there you go any other supplements or you think that wraps it up nicely? That wraps it up. It wraps it up. Decent. So on to uh, Barney's question. What is the most uh, rewarding thing? I presume you meant coaching. I don't know if you meant training or coaching. We can potentially add both. Yeah. So um, I'll start if you don't mind. Uh, well, you, you, you've done the other two first, mate. So absolutely. <laughs> you crack on. I'll I just think, uh, I'll interview you. Um, I think I'll start with the coaching one. Um like the most rewarding thing for me is to see someone who's been working consistently and you see how far they came from that starting point um whether it's you know my personal clients or like people in a group here um when you actually have the chance to see that journey like from point one um and how much they've changed and it's it just so rewarding when you know that like i thought you how to live um you know like i like it's like you were there with them and i think this is for me the rewarding part so obviously you know when you when you're taking someone for a competition it, it's amazing feeling when they win or when they do well because obviously you did all the preparation for it uh, that's a big reward as well um but from my like latest experience it's definitely yeah. seen after a long time um like yeah if you've been working with someone for for a year or even more like you've got long-term clients which i think that that's really rewarding in the bigger picture it's like i actually changed someone's life yeah um people often tell me about like oh you motivated me doing this doing that and it just really often gets into my head that that's actually really good yeah so like you changing someone's life or making someone's life better and I think that's a fantastic feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I have two. I think uh, same okay. as you. Like, um, there was a time where, like, I was, you know, I had a couple of people that like won the British podium at British, and then I remember like one client like lifting something that, like, in the grand scheme of it, was not going to like, you know, stop people and staring at the in the gym and thinking, mm-hmm. wow, that was an amazing lift. But for that person, it was a, a really big achievement at the time. It was a nice little PB, and how happy it made them. And I remember thinking at the time that that felt better to me than when someone won the British mm-hmm. so like tell me what you've just said like actually helping people that like might not be the most athletic or you know not going to go and win the world championships but they enjoy training and they get so much out of it and it just gives them an extra like something that helps them feel fulfilled in life like they might have good jobs still but just this extra bit of lifting means so much to them and then when they get a good you know a little PB in and it, it makes them super happy it feels great I also think like just the effect it can have on people's lives outside of the gym 
like like thinking of someone like Naz, um, you know, when she started at MSC, like she's super shy, hiding in the corner doing like calf work. Uh, and then we've been PT now for like five years and, you know, she's one of the main members of MSC. Like yeah. everyone knows her. Um, she talks to everyone. She's got a good friendship group and just outside of life now, way more confident. Even though I've got this like super fulfilling life of like, you know, a high up job, um, just feels really confident now. It's helped with the job, I think, in terms of like the actual confidence and the ability to stand up for self. And I think helping people outside of the gym via the gym is, is, is a uh, yeah, it's, thing. yeah, as you said, like via the gym, basically making them comfortable and confident in the weight room makes them different people outside the gym. And yeah, that's that's really good. It yeah. is. Um, as you said, like so many people come to a gym shy. Um, and you build it with them. Yeah. And that's a good feeling. Yeah. The other one for me with the, the gym is in 2019 at Junior British, we had uh, I had two people that came first and uh, first and third in the 66 class, and then someone that came second in the 74 straight after. So I had a one, two, three uh, out of two flights. That's big. That was that lovely. Is. I loved that. That was a great day. Uh, we all had the old uh, Rogers finger pose. It was a pretty cool day. Um, so like stuff like that, like that's the two ends of the spectrum is helping people that aren't massively into the gym, you know, feel empowered, feel confident mm-hmm. in and outside the gym. And then also helping people that are very good achieve what they want to achieve. They're the two ends of the spectrum for myself and they're, uh, they're both super rewarding. Mm. What about like uh, your actual lifting or your actual whatever? Mm, training. Yeah. Um, I think obviously with age, <laughs> I get in old. <laughs> 25. Um, <laughs> I think you know you you go through different phases and like you learn with your own training like obviously we we coach but i think like you doing your own training you learn a lot which i think you apply in your coaching as well um and obviously i consider my background being weightlifting and it's probably my favorite thing to train um but I didn't really pursue it as, as you did. Um, like, I don't really feel... I, it just... Everyone's kind of pushing me into it. But my gut is just not really that driven for the competition. I don't know whether it's because I just didn't really fall for, uh, fall for it so much. Or yeah. I just focus maybe on the coaching side a little more. I really don't know. But um, I think, like, right now, where I am with training, I just... I just feel really, really good about knowing how to train. Um, being smart, obviously, my last year injury taught me a big lesson. And I don't know, I just, I just, you know, this old saying, like, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, like, listen to your body. But I think that's such a big thing when, mm. you, when you learn how to, how to use it, um, how to adapt and, yeah, like, keeping sleep on point, nutrition on point, it really does the magic yeah. you know I, I i mean i just feel the best i've ever felt i know i think i said it before i think but yeah i, I think that's rewarding for me that i've practiced so many things on myself and i kind of found that soft sort of sweet spot yeah makes sense makes sense <laughs> makes sense uh i guess for myself probably either getting Getting to Worlds after years of trying to get there was, was cool. Even though it didn't go well, like to actually 
finally do that yeah. and compete at Worlds, which was a massive goal. To do that was probably the best thing. That or winning the British, because that was super close and that was like a really good battle between those two is, is definitely the one. I would probably say the British because like, the actual experience and, and getting to enjoy it with, well, my friends came to Sweden as well, but like there was loads of people at the British and like the crowd like was fairly quiet, but the crowd supporting me was really loud. So then getting to experience that and have everyone there that supported me for, for years and then realise that moment was pretty cool. So I reckon it was, yeah, probably winning the British was, was, was my most rewarding as a lifter. So not surprised there. Not surprised. Everyone knew I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, decent. And then I guess the final question then. So uh, someone says, I've just started doing cardio and strength. Uh, they're, as a background, they're a rugby player. Uh, so they're doing, uh, yeah, Tuesday morning and doing a strength training session. And then Tuesday night, they're doing rugby training, mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursday. Um, what would we recommend in terms of like, well, is that okay in terms of their overall gains? And is there any anything that we would recommend they do in terms of trying to maximise the return yeah. on that? I think in terms of doing both is definitely a good thing to do. Um, if you if you play it smart and you kind of get a good gap uh, in between, there shouldn't be an issue with it. Again, if you if you kind of spread it around evenly um, or like equally um and maybe being smart whether you're gonna do you know uppers lowers um you can play with these splits but that's obviously a bit more in depth um i think in general you you won't be ruining your training or gains uh with doing both but again you need to kind of prepare your body um for doing doing so so obviously one wouldn't sacrifice the other so let's say you might have a really good session in the morning but you actually will be really weak in the evening so then you need to know what's your priority so obviously you should use the strength session to to enhance your performance on the pitch if it's a rugby background yeah. um so, so the key to that is just avoiding these stupidly high volume sessions yeah. and just making sure that you're not doing a training session and then you come down the evening feeling super high fatigue so i think even though you class it as a high day because it's you know two sessions mm-hmm. it's a super tough day I would just be mindful of not going super, super, super high volume with like the lower body work in particular. Uh, and then I think in between those as well is just making sure that like you're refueled ready for the next session. So we talked about that 50% depletion. Um, if you're coming into your uh, rugby session and you haven't restored the glycogen, you haven't eaten properly, you haven't, you know, you're coming into that session and you are at risk then of that having a detrimental effect on the rugby session, which is going to be a highly glycotic um, activity. So I think just making sure that you've eaten enough carbohydrates, you're doing what you can in terms of staying hydrated and fueled for that session is massive. And then just avoiding a ridiculous amount of volume is, mm-hmm. is, is the main Through thing. Through the week, yeah. People start doing two sessions a week and they just try and do their normal training session and the rugby in one big day it needs to without be. the extra recovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. think that with volume, like it's diminished returns. So if you're different, like doing three sets of five to four sets of five, you might get a little benefit, but it's not as big as going from two sets to three sets and going from one to two. Every time you add a set, you might get a little benefit, but the return is smaller than the previous one. So two fives to three fives, good return. Mm-hmm. Four fives, smaller return. Five fives, eventually like eight fives yeah. might be beneficial, but it's a very small return. So um, like, I would stick to doing like two sets, three sets. First week, I did two sets see how you feel in the training session. Mm-hmm. So you might do two sets of five on squat, feel like you've got lots more to do, but fantastic. You've got a good return on your strength training. Um, do your rugby session. If you feel fantastic after a couple of weeks, you've potentially had a first session, third set, uh, which I don't think is out the realms of, of realistic. Uh, make sure you do, you're recovering, you're eating, etc. Come into your rugby session, see what your performance is like. 
I probably wouldn't go any more than three or four sets personally for each exercise, but just gradually building up that volume and making sure you're not going in at like this massive, yeah. unrecoverable amount of work. Again, it would take time to probably try because again, one thing doesn't suit everyone, isn't it? Like, let's say we know that Mark does his high days, um, but I'm sure that if he would feel over a longer period of time that I am really tired on the Tuesday night, yeah. he would do some sort of adaptation. He needs um, to make sure that on that Tuesday night, he's playing good to so then exactly. get a game on a Saturday. Yeah. And if he went in after not playing, you know, he's only just gone back to rugby training, I guess, if he's still trying to do like five sets of five, let's say, on trap bar, and then he's feeling super fatigued, it's not going to be, yeah. to resolve all goal of being the best rugby player, that's not going to be beneficial. It's the trap bar. If you dropped it down to yeah. two sets, felt explosive, felt powerful, felt recovered coming into the night, had a really good session, that's going to be more of a benefit. And then he might add another set, like we said. Um, so you can absolutely do them together. It's just making sure that in between the sessions, you're doing everything you can to maximise the, uh, the last session. That's a key, like fueling up, recovering. Yeah. That that will play a major role as well. Exactly. We know that in an ideal world, that like if you're doing doubles, you would do the priority session first. Mm. But mm. obviously, with rugby training, there you haven't got that benefit. You have to. It is Sometimes what it is. That's the schedule. So, sports, exactly. 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 Yes. And then it's just making sure that at the Wednesday, you're not doing anything stupid. You're not going for a 20-mile run and you're not doing another high-volume session. If you're having a high day on a Tuesday and a Thursday, you want to be having a, a low day on a Wednesday, which is like a light, low-volume upper-body session or potentially like some active recovery work or like low, low-level cardio as more recovery-based would probably be beneficial. You want to avoid turning every single day into a high day. You want to have your low day if you're doing sandwich in between two high days. You want to make sure that you are trying to optimise your recovery, ready to do another high day. Yeah. I would maybe touch just quickly on um, obviously our members. Um, many of them do big like mal. a barbell, big pal. Many of them do barbell in the morning and metcon at night, which again, obviously, they question whether you know um, it can kind of impact them. I'm going to stop you here because yeah. Ada did double yesterday and she did a bodyweight squat and fell over. So I'm not sure if it's uh, <laughs> she's doing too much volume. No, I'm joking, but she did fall over doing yeah. bodyweight squat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, again, many ask if, it, if it's okay to do. I, I personally always say that, like, you got to look at your day and also the, the kind of um, part of the plan you're currently at. So, you know, if we're not maxing out, if they're not maxing out, I think if they most of them have sedentary job. And basically, if you do 45 minutes of medicine in the morning and then sit eight hours... I think it's completely fine to do yeah. something in the evening. It's yeah. going to be actually better. Um, I think, like you said, like if you if if they were saying, "I want to be the strongest lifter ever," no, nothing else matters to me. Yeah. Then you would say, "I probably wouldn't do metcon." Yeah. And if you said, "I want to be the best yeah. at metcon in the world," I'd probably say, "I wouldn't do that much." Yeah, uh, much barbell club. Exactly. I'd probably just do exactly. a little bit of barbell and you're good know But doing what? them both together, you want to be good at them. You can absolutely do them both together. Yeah. Because um, you know, let's say as you mentioned, Mel, um, she always uh, looks uh, looks up to Elise um, oh. as like being a great lifter, which she is great lifter. But I always say to Mel that that's something she purely she specializes, she specializes in, in that She's exactly. Not- if her and Mal did like a, an all-round fitness test, it might be a very different picture. But exactly. if you did a strength test, yeah. Elise would win. Um, exactly. Mal's good at a lot of yeah. different powerful aspects. You've got to look at that, obviously focus on yourself. And uh, you you got to look at that picture that you're kind of trying to do both. As you said, like you want to be good at both. The other example of that would be like you and Jazz. 
Exactly. Jazz, exactly. You, you both do weightlifting, but Jazz is probably the better weightlifter. Yes. Um, but then if you also did a conditioning test, Jazz would be fucked. Exactly. Because all he does is weightlifting. Yes, exactly. Unless, yeah, unless you see you want to be good at runs. something really good. If you want to optimize your optimize. weightlifting or powerlifting, you do just powerlifting. If you want to be good, well-rounded, which most people probably should have a good base of both, you would do both. Um, there you go. That's a good mm-hmm. little ending there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will do another Q&A next month. So if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, you can drop us a DM through Instagram. Um, and yeah, if you have any anything else that you wanted to ask us uh, about what we've mentioned today, if you had any other follow-up questions, please let us know. But other than that, we will see you next week. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.